Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Jeff Wilson, who's the CEO of Precipitate Gold Corp. They're TSXV Gold Explorer with assets in the Dominican Republic. Um, if you want to hear my opinions on the interview, do remember to sign up to our Crux Investor Club, where you can find discussions, articles, company reports, courses, and a thriving and respectful community of like-minded investors. Do enjoy the podcast. Jeff, how are you doing, sir? Doing very well, thanks, Matt. Good to have you back. A few things have happened since we last uh, spoke in, I'm going beginning of June, beginning of June, seems so long ago. That's right. That's right. What have you been up to? Yeah, it's been it's been interesting times and uh, lots been happening, not only for the company, but certainly, you know, uh, here in the market in the gold space, it's been it's been a very exciting spring and summer for sure. It's been nuts. You've doubled in price, share prices doubled since we last saw you, so you're having a nice time, you're making the most of it. We are, yeah. No, we've you know we had a few news catalysts that came together uh, late spring, and uh, and we've seen some nice trading volume and and some nice uh, nice movement in share price. Of course, a little bit of rising tide, of course, but um, you know we've also fed some fairly progressive good news into the market and, and been rewarded for it, which has been nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, good, good, good. Look for people new to this, perhaps didn't see the first uh, interview. I've heard your story before. Give us that one minute overview of what you have, and then we'll pick it up from there. Yeah, so we're a, we're a junior exploration company focused in the Dominican Republic as a jurisdiction. Um, we've got uh, three key projects or assets all in the Dominican Republic, sort of at various stages of work. Um, you know, one of our first forays into the country was a, was a project called Wanda Herrera, which is adjacent to a, an existing uh, resource uh, held by a company called GoalQuest. Uh, we've done uh, a couple of drill programs there, delineated a number of uh, targets, many of which are drill ready. Um, um, we've sort of parked that over the last couple of years due to some, some circumstances with respect to, to sort of politics, um, as you know. And uh, we then shifted over to a central part of the country where there's much more mining activity. It's a little bit more mining friendly. And we picked up two key, two, two key projects in that part of the country, uh, Pueblo Grande and Ponton. Uh, Pueblo Grande has uh, a very strategically located adjacent to one of the largest mining operations in the world run by Barrick. And Ponton was a very interesting early stage, but, but quite uh, significant but untested project uh, about 25 kilometers away. So those have been kind of our, our three property, port- makes up our property portfolio with our three, three projects. And, and uh, we're sort of looking forward to seeing work on all three of those projects uh, between now and year end. Great, great, great summary. Hey, look, um, Again, for people new to this, Dominican Republic, not that well known in terms of a mining jurisdiction. You also had a change of government recently. So how have things been since the new government stepped in? Yeah, things have been have been quite positive. I mean, we uh, we did have some stalls with the previous uh, with the previous government. Nothing, uh, n- nothing major as far as we were concerned. There were some 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 uh, hang ups with some certain projects. Uh, but as far as we were, uh, our experience was we were able to get our permits and do our work and get the necessary uh, green lights that we needed. But, you know, this change in government has shifted to a much more, I think, business friendly, um, uh, economy friendly and in turn pro mining uh, mandate. And obviously with what's happening with COVID uh, and the economic downturn that that creates in a very uh, tourism centric uh, economy like the Dominican Republic, uh, we're seeing much more of a push towards the upside and the potential uh, uh, economic benefits of mining. So we're, we're hearing a lot of that uh, commentary from the new in, uh, inbound uh, president and, and the government. So that's been very positive for us. So positive uh, commentary, rhetoric. Um, you must be pleased, but I imagine not as pleased as Goldquest. 
on the Juan Herrera project. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So, so as some people may know, uh, Gold Quest and their Wanda Herrera project is a you know several million ounce resource uh, project at a at a pre feasibility stage. Uh, it's got lots of exploration potential, and it sort of uh, you know was was one of the catalysts for our entry into the country back in 2012. Uh, the discovery of that of that deposit. It's been hung up on um, on some politics and really a permitting or a license to get through into exploitation from exploration. And that's been a long drawn out process under the previous uh, regime. And uh, there were some some issues there related to the, the, the outgoing president um, that it just seemed to sit on his desk. And I think with the change in, in politics, as you say, I think this is uh, uh, shines a very positive light for Romero in, in hopefully getting that that license that it needs to move this project through development. And obviously, any forward movement there will, will benefit us as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, we're not sure of the timing of that. Or, you know, we assume things are positive. I'll take what you say. It's true. Things are more positive uh, in term, in, with regards to that. But we don't know when things will move forward. So if they move forward, I'll ask this question. If they move forward, just remind people what these sort of economics there look like for you if that project gets going and gives an idea of timelines as to when your shareholders get some sort of benefit. Yeah. So again, it is a great unknown in terms of when a license would be granted by the government. Uh, there's lots of shuffling, as, as uh, you can you can imagine, with respect to you know uh, cabinet appointments and new ministers and and, and that kind of thing. So we're going to have a little bit of a transition period here, compounded by uh, what's happening in the COVID world that we're still living in. So you know, I, I, I'm not under the impression that something's going to happen tomorrow, but I think that in due course there will be some positivity there. What that would mean is. That would allow uh, Gold Quest to move that project into environmental impact studies and marching down the path towards a proper feasibility study. Um, the, posit the positive impact on that for us is not only do they have a significant existing resource, they've got a lot of exploration targets within their property package as well. <clears throat> We're sitting immediately adjacent to them, right up against their claim boundary for about 40 kilometers strike. In the same geological terrain, Many of their existing exploration targets sort of butt up against our claim boundary and seem to coincide with some areas where we'd identified some significant mineralization as well, whether geochemistry or, or drill uh, results of our own. So you've kind of got this potential of this consolidated, um, you know, sort of um, underexplored uh, exploration potential throughout the belt. And I think that, you know, for anybody to go in and want to really push hard on exploration to try to find gold, uh, in an area, you want to know that the guys that have already found it can be successful in extracting it. And that sort of paves the way for investors to be more comfortable, for our company to be more comfortable, and, and GoldQuest similarly, in continuing to invest in the exploration upside and, and identifying more known mineralization. Okay, so just remind people again what, what strategy you've come up with, because you obviously did a bit of work on that. It came up against a fairly strong headwind, said, actually, let's put our tools down there and, and focus somewhere else. Um, so, so what's, what are you relying on now happening? Yeah, so I mean, we've got an extensive amount of data. We were there operating fairly actively. Again, the market wasn't great. So there were some fits and starts just with respect to access to capital, et cetera. But we were there from 2012 and quite active up right up until, say, 2016, 2017. Um, so we've got, you know, extensive amount of uh, targets. We've done an extensive amount of soil sampling and rock sampling. Uh, geochemistry, geophysics, and delineated a number of targets. And in fact, we've got drill permits for multiple target areas within our land package. 
Um, Gold Quest, um, when they put the brakes on, you know, they had just received about $23, $24 million investment, equity investment from Agnico Eagle. And Agnico's mandate uh, with that investment was the expiration upside. They believed that Gold Quest had a, a nice deposit uh, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a nice, attractive possible mining operation, but the expiration potential within the district was really what attracted them. So I think that um, that's that's a validation. I think when a, when a mid-tier or major comes in and invests in the expiration upside, I think it's a validation of the potential to find more in in this belt and in this district. And we feel as if our land package is you know as as perspective as many of the targets that GoldQuest has delineated. Yet our market cap is significantly lower, and of course we don't have the anchor or the foundation of a several million ounce uh, deposit in place. But um, we think there's lots of potential in this belt. And really it's a matter of getting uh, sort of the, the social comfort and the licensing comfort to justify again, you know, uh, uh, investing back into the exploration uh, of this district. So again, we've got multiple targets, multiple very advanced uh, targets that we've delineated through several stages of work um, and are keen to, uh, at the right time, uh, to deploy, um, you know, our crews back into the field and try to bring these, these some of these targets to a drill stage very promptly. And again, many of them are permitted already. Or have a conversation with, with GoldQuest. Yes, there's been a lot of talk about that since 2012, frankly, when we entered into the fray and, and picked up the ground adjacent to them. I mean, one sort of side sidebar to that is, you know, the Dominican Republic uh, has a has a, had a policy under the previous government about a certain amount of hectares that any company can own. And so we were able to pick up, we, we were, were often asked, why were you able to get this very strategic land package immediately adjacent to a brand new discovery? And the reason was that they were maxed out on their land holding. And so we were able to slide in ahead of the crowd and pick up a pretty extensive land package in the same geological terrain. So um, yes, there's been a lot of talk about the potential coming together or consolidation of that land package, and uh, we'll see. So is that something you'd want? Um, I mean, it would have to be, you know, it would obviously have to be in the best interest of shareholders. I mean, I think um, I think that for us currently, uh, there's lots of upside for us to add value within our own land package. I mean, we really only drilled two targets. Um, you know, maybe a total of 25 drill holes, something like that. So there's still a lot of uh, work to be done on our ground, I think, to really delineate and get a better understanding of what we have. Uh, doing something like that today might be a bit premature, but, um, you know, uh, uh, again, every, anything's possible, I suppose. Yeah, anything's possible. I'm just trying to get a sense from you what, what your preference is, where you'd like to go, because that that takes, you've got another project, which you're, um, Ponton, which you're focused on, um, Looking at Juan Herrera, it's going to cost time. It's going to cost money. Could be a distraction. Um, I don't know if you've got time and money to 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 spare. Um, obviously, share prices doubled, market caps doubled. It's all good. it's all good, but at the same time, you need mm -hmm. a plan and you need to be clear with the market about what that plan is. So, do you know what it is yet? I think that uh, for us right now, I mean, I think that the best path forward for that land package is to advance some of these targets, get get some of these primary targets within our land package uh, better tested, uh, get a better handle on what we have. Now, with respect to, you know, sort of what you're insinuating here with respect to some sort of a consolidation, I think it, it may be the kind of thing where the gold quest now under un, in the current gold environment, gold has gold quest has what I believe is a, is a fairly attractive uh, pre feasibility feasibility sort of staged asset 
in a jurisdiction that suddenly become a little bit more, I think, attractive or, or de-risked to some extent in the eyes of the, of the, of the bigger um, sector industry. And so what you may start to see is you may start to see some mid-tiers or maybe even some majors starting to look at what GoldQuest has, look at the surrounding ground and the land package, and maybe that's where the, the consolidation could come from. Um, and so something like that might make a little more sense. Okay. Where are you going to get the money to do further work on it from? Well, we haven't really, uh, up to this point, we haven't really raised money or sought money for Wander Herrera because, as you know, for the last few years, it's kind of been uh, you know, passive and, and been sitting on the sidelines. Um, so the money that we have in the Treasury and the money we raised was largely for Ponton, and uh, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, later. Um, but this emergence uh, of Wanda Herrera and, and the upside of Romero, we sort of saw coming um, because we knew that the, the uh, presidential election was coming and that there was going to be a change and we were monitoring the polls and had a sense. So, you know, I think what we'd like to do uh, if we we're going to start to contemplate getting back and getting active there again, uh, it's again, it's a big land package, lots of targets, so it will require a little bit of capital. And so what I think we would do is go back and revisit some of those targets, revisit some of that prior data, which was quite impressive. Uh, and maybe start to, uh, you know, shine up, if you will, the potential of that project, perhaps uh, look to do a, a financing specific to what that budget or those needs might be. Okay, thanks for that. Um, can we talk about um, Pueblo Grande, big town? Um, obviously, got that agreement in place with Barrick to earn up to 70%, spend 10 million bucks within three years, deliver seven and a half million thousand meters of drilling and a pre-feasibility study. So just, just kind of skip, save you the time explaining all that. Um, has that moved on since we last spoke? How much money have they spent so far? And, what, and have they spoken to you about it? It has moved on. Yeah, I, I don't have a I don't have a number for you in terms of what they've spent so far. They they were I will I will admit right off the bat they were um, affected a little bit by COVID and restrictions in terms of boots on the ground and doing work, uh, because the exploration of our Pueblo Grande was outside of the mining operation of Pueblo Viejo, which is their operation right next door. So they were able to continue mining at Pueblo Viejo under very strict policies, but uh, getting boots on the ground on our project was delayed a little bit. Now. Um, they've, they've, that's since been relaxed. They can get going again. And what we've been uh, informed by Barrick, and in fact, we put out a news release to this, uh, to this effect a couple months ago, uh, is that they are, they had started sort of data evaluation and, uh, revisiting some of the, the geochemical work and the geophysical work that had been done. They were going to initiate some of their own ground surveying. Um, and my understanding is they're altering some of the currently altering some of the drill permit applications, uh, to adjust. You know, we had drill permits for it ourselves. They're maybe going to drill it a little bit differently than we had initially planned. And so they're altering and dealing with the government and altering some of the permits. But uh, the message that we've got from them is that they expect to do a minimum of 2,500 meters of drilling at the primary target where we were focused, which is the lithocap zone um, between now and, and year end. So under the terms of the agreement, uh, which I won't get into all the details that you already covered, but they have to provide us um, copies, if you will, of any approved budgets and work programs and quarterly reports of any work that's been done. So, you know, the question always arises, well, you know, once you do a deal with a major, you're never going to get any news flow. You're never going to know what's going on. I think in this case, we've got a fairly good handle on keeping ourselves informed and therefore being able to keep our investors informed. And so we expect some things to come between now and year end. If that drill program gets conducted, we should have results by the end of the year. 
Are you going to cut them any slack given COVID's happened? Do the terms change or they, they've got to stick to that? We cut them a little bit of slack in the final stages of the negotiating of the deal because COVID was upon us at that time. And, and the initial deal put their feet to the fire pretty quickly to spend uh, in year one. And, um, and we agreed to push that out to a, instead of 1 million in year one, we made it 2 million in the first two years in order to compensate for the fact uh, that the whole COVID thing was a bit of an unknown. So uh, I think, you know, they've, they've been given a reasonable amount of slack and I think that uh, we would expect them to kind of uphold the terms of the deal at this point. Okay. Well, you know, I, I guess you, as you say, you'll make announcements as and when you kind of get information through. So uh, we'll see how that goes. And in fact, just on that, Within the six-year uh, time frame, can they opt out at any point? And, and are there any kind of punitive charges for them doing that? Or I mean, how, how does that work? That that side of things. If they go, we've done some drilling, done some analysis. It's not quite what we think. Uh, here you go. It's yours. Yes. So a couple of quick things. One is they they have to spend a minimum of one million dollars, regardless if they want to cancel the deal tomorrow. And what and the way that that manifests itself is if whatever they have not spent. Uh, to get to a million, they pay us in lieu with cash. So let's say they spent 500000 they they kill the deal, they write us a check for 500000 and walk away. After the first million, they have the right to, uh, to walk away you know, at any point in time. But what we like about this deal is that it really is an all or nothing on that 70%. So there's no spend $3 million, get to 51%, and then take the hammer and kind of, you know, uh, delay and, and hum and haw. In this instance, it's spend the 10 million US over six years to earn 70% and it must deliver a pre-feasibility, otherwise get nothing. And, you know, for those that don't know, I mean, it's, it's no small task to spend $10 million in the Dominican Republic when you have a central operation right next door, you have people, you have equipment, you're not shipping things in from other places. I mean, it, it's a big spend to spend $10 million in the DR and, uh, and to deliver pre-feasibility in six years. So I don't see a lot of room for them to, uh, to delay. And so, again, we feel as if we've sort of got their, their not their feet to the fire, but it's, it's a deal that keeps them on track. And if at some point it doesn't deliver for them, we'll get it back 100%. Okay. I like, I like that deal. Um, let's talk about what I wanted to hear about, which was what's happening at, happening at Ponton, um, because that's where all the action is. That's where you've been working hard since we last spoke. So why don't you give us a rundown uh, of the challenge that you've got there and the sorts of things that you've been doing since we last spoke? Sure. Yeah, it's, it's actually come together quite nicely since we last spoke. Um, you know, that was a project that initially when we did the deal with Barrick, Barrick, Barrick had inquired about including Ponton in the sort of the greater Pueblo Grande uh, earn-in agreement. And um, because it's only about 25 kilometers away from Pueblo Grande and Barrick's Pueblo Viejo mining operation in the same geology. Um, we, we elected to keep it. Um, uh, my technical team, my, my vice president of exploration, Michael Moore, really liked the project, um, give, in, in spite of the fact that we hadn't really done a lot of work with it ourselves. Uh, we inherited a data set from the previous operators that we hadn't really spent a lot of time looking at because we were very focused on the big prize next to Barrick. Um, but when we, when, we, when we were sort of forced with, do we want to keep this or make it part of the Barrick deal, we, uh, we dug a little deeper and recognized, hey, there's a really compelling geochemical target here, gold in soil anomaly 
that's never been drilled. It's peripheral to a fairly interesting what appears to be sort of a gold copper porphyry. Um, all of this sort of speaks to what could be a pretty compelling epithermal system. And uh, so we kept it ourselves. Um, when we did the deal with Barrick, we, uh, we of course got a, about a $1.4 million injection of capital from Barrick uh, in the form of a private placement from Barrick. And so we were nicely cashed up uh, with a couple of million, two and a half million or so in the till at that time. And we set out to better understand this project and, and some of the prior work. Um, and so, um, as I said, we inherited some geo geochemical anomalies on the property package. Uh, but what our first phase of work was to go in, send crews in. And again, we were able to do this because of our sort of existing uh, tenure in the Dominican Republic. In spite of the COVID uh, restrictions, we, we had uh, a, a good enough network of, of in-country uh, geological expertise and, and field crews that we were able to send locals into, into the project. Again, a little bit later than we had initially expected because of early restrictions. Um, and we conducted uh, sort of uh, systematic geochemical soil. We basically co collected soils over that Cope Hill zone is what we call it within the property. Um, and we expanded that anomaly. So there was already a fairly sizable, call it, you know, a, a kilometer by half a kilometer uh, gold anomaly in soils. Uh, we expanded that out a, a little bit to the north and northwest and tightened up the spacing. So where prior operators had collected soils every you know, 50 meters, we collected soil samples every 25 meters to sort of really get a better density and understand the concentrations. And um, that had re has returned obviously some nice geochem in soils, but also along the way, we collected some fairly compelling rock samples as well. Um, and we were collecting rock samples, many high grade samples, you know, uh, seven grams per ton, 17 grams per ton, 53 grams per ton gold uh, in rock samples. And all within sort of a, again, a fairly consistent concentrated area within, within the Cope Hill. And now just as a bit of a sidebar, you know, the, the Dominican Republic in our experience hasn't delivered a lot of that kind of surface mineralization. A lot of them, the projects and the targets that we've delineated just based on the country's geology has been a little bit more benign and, you know, you sort of get these subtle um, anomalies, but in this case to get these high grade numbers was quite unusual. Um, and so the, the next phase of work uh, that we uh, we're just finalizing now is to run ground magnetics over that. And again, it's the same sequence of, of work that we conducted at other projects that's been successful. So get the geochem, get an idea where there's gold at surface, and then run ground magnetics or ground geophysics over that to see if you get some indication of, of, of what the geophysical signature might be. And so we're hoping to have those geophysical results in the coming weeks. And that, again, will give us an, an additional layer of data um, that we will utilize for, for drill target. Okay. I mean, th those rock samples are what people are excited about in the marketplace. I mean, they, I say 53 grams uh, is pretty punchy anywhere in the world. Um, but it's just that. It's just a rock sample. So um, I get the, the, ge the geochem and the geophysics that you're running through. What, at the end of that, do you hope to... No. What's, what's the picture you're painting here? And, you know, what, what do you want to be able to go to the market and say about um, Ponton? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, you know, we've, we've uh, if you were to ask my geologist, you know, even even six months ago when we when we sort of shifted gears from from Pueblo Grande to Ponton, uh, I think that his, his words were, you know, if you put a gun to my head, I could drill this project tomorrow. I mean, it's, it's compelling enough. It's a fairly straightforward model. Uh, in fact, one of my geologists, 
uh, on the board, uh, Quentin Henning sort of said early on in, in, in this project when some of this geochemical data came up, he said, look, this is a, this is a walk-up drill target. You know, you, could, you don't have to over-science this. You know, this is pretty straightforward stuff. So we have a very uh, concise and simple sort of geochemical anomaly and model. Uh, but what we like to do, and, and we've done this in the past with Wanda Herrera, with target delineation and with Pablo Grande, is to, you know, add layers of data that, that help us vector so that we know where within a, a broader anomaly, where do we actually want to put a, a drill hole and, and call it drills. And so for us, we see the characteristics of an epithermal gold system here uh, early on. And if the geophysics sort of pan out and we get some magnetic lows, coincidental with these rock samples and high-grade concentrations of gold, that will be that sort of second layer of data that, uh, again, vectors us to where we might actually set up a drill rig and, and, and poke some holes. So, okay. you know, the goal here is to get this drill ready um, in the coming months. I think, uh, you know, sometime in the next couple of months seems realistic to me, um, you know, and, and it'll be a compilation of geochemical results, geophysical or magnetic results, and some mapping just to understand the geology. And uh, we layer those three together and, and uh, start to plot up a drill plan. I like over-sciencing something. Kind of gives gives me comfort that uh, <laughs> what I think is there is there. So, uh, d- yeah, do continue along that track. Um, j- just on the money, you had about two and a half million bucks in June. I know you said it's hard to spend a lot of money in, in the Dominican Republic, but where are you with that? And when are you going to need to next uh, sort of come back to market and raise some capital? Yep. Well, we're in a fortunate position. Uh, I'd like to give ourselves a credit for it, where we, we, we own all of our projects 100%. So we don't have any underlying option payments where we've got to dole out hundreds of thousands of dollars every six or 12 months. Uh, and we um, and, and along with that, we don't have any uh, work commitments where, well, you've got to spend half a million in year one. Or year two. So the projects are owned 100%. Holding costs are very, very minimal in the DR. Uh, so, you know, our treasury is fully discretionary. Uh, and so we can spend this money as we see fit. And right now, uh, we're focusing the majority of our of our efforts toward uh, a drill play here for Ponton in, in the months ahead. So that what we're currently sitting on, you know, a little over two million dollars, and that will get us through, you know, it could get us through a couple of phases of drilling at uh, at Ponton if necessary, and and or some drilling at Juan de Herrera if we if we decided to do that. Although, as I said earlier, I think the better plan there would be to raise capital specifically for that. So our, our drill costs are quite low in the Dominican Republic. As, as you know, from our prior conversation, we purchased drill rigs um, Shared. earlier this year, beginning, I think it was in January, something like that. He's sharing uh, I read your mind a little bit there. Yeah, didn't? you did. But he's sharing that you, you talked previously about 50% uh, acquisition costs and, and maintenance shared with GoldQuest. Is that still the case? Yes, so we we acquired those out of receivership um, for pennies on the dollar. We got what what equates to about eight hundred thousand dollars worth of drilling equipment for eighty, and uh, we split that cost with GoldQuest on a fifty fifty basis um, and formed a little Dominican subsidiary to hold those assets, and uh, so we've got you know uh, full access to what equates to about if you were to piece it all back together because it's in it's in parts. Uh, one fully operational rig right now, sort of Cadillac'd out, if you will. We've, we've got it all spit-shined and ready to go. And then uh, a couple of others that can be updated if we needed to, if at any point in time we both want to be drilling at the same time. Uh, up until now, and, and, and maybe in the near term anyway, GoldQuest is not uh, doing any drilling. They've been fairly 
again, passive while they await this license. So we expect to have, uh, you know, essentially full access to the drill and uh, hoping to deploy that and get it, get it turning at Ponton here in the, in the months ahead. Okay. And um, how, how do you work that out? I'm sort of thinking back to when my brother and I bought a car, I'm trying to work out um, who got to use it when. <laughs> but I enjoyed those bites. Uh, how, do you, how do you guys sort that out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've got some mechanisms in there. Uh, again, one of the, the, the key issues is, uh, is that there are multiple drill rigs. And so um, if, if, as and when, uh, let's say GoldQuest wants to ramp up and get three drills turning on, on uh, at Romero, while we want to get one or two uh, at Ponton or somewhere else, there's the capacity to set, essentially we'd be a bit of a cash call and we'd inject a little bit of capital to, to get these things up, up and running and um and go from there and so we've, we've got some mechanisms in the way that we've set up the deal with respect to cost essentially if you're using the drill rigs you're you're paying for them so to speak in terms of you know the personnel and uh and that sort of thing you pay for your own cost if you will um but we expect there to be a fairly significant cost savings um we've also got uh some really you know um high level guys in country a drill crew uh, headed up by a Canadian foreman who uh, who's, who lives in country, and so we, we get the good people, we get the equipment, and I think we can do this at a at a fraction of the drill cost of what it would have cost us to contract out and do the same work. And it's the same drill rigs we've used and GoldQuest has used for years, so we know it very well, and and it's the right equipment for these projects. Given the market and what it's doing at the moment with gold, and the fact you've doubled your market cap since June. Are you not tempted to go into market and just raise a little bit more money? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a conversation that we've had internally <clears throat> um, for a few weeks, and 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 as you and I have talked about previously, uh, you know, the the amount of money that was coming into the system over the last several months was uh, staggering, quite frankly, and um, and I think when you see a market like that, your first response is, well, this isn't going to last, and then it continued to last, and and more and more money came in. Uh, some of the dialogue and conversations I've had with some of the banking guys in, in, that, that I deal with is, you know, we're starting to see some generalist money. Um, so you can't help but think to yourself, you know, should should we put our hand up here and, and make a case for, for getting a little bit of uh, capital into the treasury, um, you know, strike while the iron's hot. We We felt, however, and I do feel, and I always have, that, I, you know, certainly raising money when the money's there makes all the sense in the world. And I don't dispute that ever. But I've always taken the view that we like to or I like to raise money at a time where we've got a very clear and, and focused rationale for it. And I think that, you know, uh, in the last couple of months, you know, we were working on relatively inexpensive, low level work, you know, geochem, geophysics to get Ponton drill ready. Um, as things start to unfold there, and as Wanda Herrera starts to see some daylight, which happened in July and August, that I think creates an opportunity to say, okay, maybe there's an opportunity here to revisit some of those targets at Wanda Herrera. That's going to require a little added capital that we didn't already have in the treasury and, and didn't have budgeted. This now is, is the rationale for it. I think people want to see that if you're going to raise money, it's not just to top up the treasury. It's with a specific purpose that can bring about a return on investment for those investors. So I'm going to raise money. Here's how I'm going to deploy it. And here's the timeline for us to sort of find out if we're heroes or zeros based on the results of that work. That says to me, your plan hasn't changed despite, you know, you were, we were, last time we talked, we were pre-2000s, pre right? You know, Gold hit 2000 since we last spoke. 
shot back a bit, but um, yeah. you, you get my point. People get the fervor is there, the excitement is there, and people reassess their plans. They reassess their commitments and they think, well, actually, maybe we do need to go quicker because this isn't going to last. Maybe we can double the rate at which we drill or, or, or you know, whatever your plan or thoughts may be. But what, did you have those sorts of conversations internally? Yeah. Certainly, yeah. And I, and again, I think that we, uh, you know, look, we, w- we wouldn't be where we are with regards to our land holding at Wanda Herrera adjacent to Romero, if we didn't believe three months ago, six months ago, 12 months ago, that the political environment was going to work favorably and that things were going to uh, work in favor of that permit and move forward. You know, if that was a, if that was to us a complete dead issue, uh, we would have abandoned the ground. What's the point? But we've always believed that the Dominican government understood the importance of mining and, and was going to recognize the importance of Romero and the economic benefit that it could bring. So we, we, we saw sort of this development coming. We didn't see this coming in the gold market or the gold price. I mean, I, I don't know how many people saw that per se, but we, we saw that the, um, that the landscape in the Dominican Republic was going to improve and we could see that there would be uh, the potential to to basically spend more money on more targets and be more active on multiple fronts. So yes, we, we definitely had those conversations in the summer when things were really rocking and rolling. And I think that our, our, our strategy was let's advance a couple of these targets, you know, the Ponton target, let's get it drill ready. Let's get it, you know, the, the final layers of work pulled together so that we're going out and saying, this is where we're going to drill this and how we're going to drill this. It's going to require this many meters, this many holes. Similarly with Wanda Herrera, I think we're very close here now to starting to perhaps revisit some of the, the previous work that we've done there, perhaps reintroduce people to, because I think a lot of people have, have bought uh, precipitate in the last couple of years solely for Pablo Grande and are not particularly aware of, of the prior work that we've done at Wanda Herrera. But I think if some people, if we if we're able to sort of re reintroduce uh, some of those anomalies, some of those targets, some of the prior drill results, I think people will recognize, you know, in the right gold environment and in the right political environment, the DR, which I think we're in right now, as you say, um, there's a justification for you know a fairly sizable budget at that project. And so, yeah, we're we're definitely thinking about that. But again, I think right now we're trying to play out our strategy and bring these things to a point where hopefully we get a little bit more value. Uh, you know, again, that's a great unknown in the market. Things can go the other way anytime soon. But if we lay out some of the fundamentals on a couple of these project area, projects and target areas, perhaps uh, that's the, the opportune time to strike and, and raise the capital to the point. Great. Okay. Well, like Jeff, thank you very much for that. Cautiously optimistic about the, the new government, I think, sticking to the plan. The right thing to do. You're obviously careful with your money, which I like. And keep doing that science stuff. Seems seems to work out elsewhere. And uh, stay in touch, okay? Fantastic. Really appreciate the opportunity, Matt. Good seeing you again. Thanks. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.